0: So we're in a, a season where we've been talking about identity, and um, want to remind you uh, of two announcements that I forgot to say right now, and the first one is that we have next steps after church today, and so if you're new to River City Church, or you don't know anything about who we are, you need to go to next steps. I'll talk about the history of the church, we'll have some people share about their experience in the church, and uh, we'd love to get to know you. There's lunch over there, and it's free, and if it's for free... Then it's for me, so I'll be there. All right, and the other thing is refresh tonight. I mean, if you've never been refreshed, and this is your church home, you need to go. It's going to be raining and storming, and it will be a demonstration of whether or not you're a Christian and have faith, if you come. <laughs> it's that simple. That's not me. That's the spirit, okay? Convicting, not judging, okay? Um, you know, as we this is the second week of the identity talk, and the identity talk is basically about who... ...we really are, who Jesus says that we are... ...and the importance of believing that we are who he says we are. Because if we don't believe we are who he says we are... ...we won't do the things that he commands us to do. Okay? Because if we don't, for example... ...or no, not example, this is what the talk's on... ...if we don't believe that we have the authority that Christ says we have... ...if we don't believe that we have the power... That Christ says we have, then we are not going to move towards commands that require us to have authority and power. Does that make sense? So if you believe you're like you're a spiritual weakling and you know you're hanging on by a thread, and God will never use you, or whatever, 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 and that and that's not really who you are. That's not how God sees you. That's not your identity in Christ. If you believe that, then you are not going to feel worthy or capable um, to step out. And to do anything, because you're going to be like, yeah, I, I'm a horrible Christian, and you know, I struggle with this, I struggle with that. Okay, here is the reality of identity, is that once it is given to you, once you receive authority and power, it cannot be taken away, okay? It's who you are. It's who you become when you become a Christian. It's not like, here's a little authority and here's a little power, right? Right? and do the best you can, and work, work, work. No, 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 That's not how it works, folks. The way it works is this is who you are. This is who you always will be. When I look into you, Antley, I see a perfect heart. I see a powerful person. Whenever I talk, whenever we sing about the darkness trembling, Jesus is saying it trembles because of you. Darkness trembles because of Christ in you. I mean, think about that. Christ is living in you. The Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. And when we move in power, when we obey his commands, when we heal the sick, we cast out demons, we proclaim the gospel, we proclaim and we demonstrate the kingdom of God, darkness flees. It has no power over us. We are so much more powerful. It is not an even battle. It is not an even battle. We have so much more power. That when we step into that, he goes, he goes. But if we don't believe that we have this authority and power, we won't move in power. And if we don't move in power, the enemy will be. He's, that's all. He he moves in power all the time in the spiritual realm. We we read about that in Ephesians. It's not about against flesh and blood. He's always moving in his power. He's always moving in supernatural and, and you know power that's in the spirit. He's always doing that. And if we're not then nothing will happen. Nothing. If you're not moving the power of God, if you're not releasing the power and understanding the authority that you've been given to release the power, then you will not grow the kingdom of God. You will not experience the battle that we've been called to be in. And that and that's what's fun about being a Christian, is like kicking the enemy's butt, right? Like seeing people healed, seeing people come to, the, come to faith. Seeing people experience the kingdom of God from going from death to life. People that, who, who, who have broken arms, heal. People who are deaf, speak. People who are blind, see. People who can't hear, hear. That is powerful. And we have the authority and we have the power to move in a way to make those things happen. That's what the kingdom of God is. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. What is a disciple? What is a disciple? We're going to get ready to talk about this in a few weeks. This is a very simple response, and it's, it is, it's right. A disciple is someone who builds the kingdom of God. That is the measure of a disciple. Are you building the kingdom of God? And, and, you can, and it happens in a variety of ways. But it requires you to believe that you have authority, and it requires you to move in power. And power is the ability to... The, the ability this is the ability, the strength, and the might to complete a given task. And authority is the right to use that power of God. And we talked about a police officer and that he could go anywhere directing traffic, go into a mob, and they could like beat him up, they could run him over, right? Because it's just one of them. But they don't because of the authority that his uniform reflects. The authority that's been given him that if you do that to him, you're gonna pay, right? He has authority, and if you move against him, he has weapons like tasers, the bat or, or you know shotgun or a gun to enforce the authority that he's been given. He has the power to enforce the authority okay so that he can create rest where there's unrest, where he can bring peace where there's violence and chaos. The same thing is true for us. We have been given authority in Christ and we have been given power in Christ. To move and to build his kingdom where there is darkness, where there is chaos, where there is unrest, where there is death, where there is dying, where there is pain, where there is suffering. We are called, commanded, and given the authority and the power to build God's kingdom. To bring light where there is darkness. You know, um, whenever I come up here, this is like... ...what I'm called to do, okay? So I've been given authority to speak at church. And I've been given power to speak at church. And, and my prayer is always that there's power in my words. They're not my words. They're the words of Christ, hopefully. Sometimes it's not, though. And um, I know, I know. Some of you always think that. Like, that's not Jesus. He just made that up or something. That's from him. That's not the Lord. Um, but I look confident. I probably come across as confident... And, but I struggle like the rest of you. I struggle with all of you. That it's hard for me to believe, even though I have this gift, even though I've been doing this for 25 years. It's hard for me. Every time I step up here, I struggle with, oh my word, what's going to happen? Um, I mean, really, it's, it's, it, it, I come across this way, and, and it's, I'm with you. It's hard to believe. It's hard for me to believe that God would ever call me to this place and give me the authority and the power to remain there and to minister out of that. And there are folks in here who have had struggles with addiction. There are folks in here who have had things happen to them that are not good, that are devastating. And there are people in here that have done devastating things. And there are people in here that have hidden lives. There are people in here that um, have a, a darkness part of their life that no one knows about except for God. And you believe... ...that you aren't qualified for this. You believe that you've been given less authority. You believe the lie... ...that you are somehow exempt from the command... ...that Jesus has given you as his child... ...to move the kingdom of God. And that is the work of the enemy in your life. That is a lie that he has told you... ...that he's made you feel so that you will disengage... That is his prime directive. Once you go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, his priority his priority is to get you to believe you are not who he says you are. Because if you don't believe you have authority, you will not execute and use power. Yep. Don't keep doing that, everybody. I'll get freaked out and I'll lose my place. I just lost my place, all right? I'm going to go through this part of the gospel um, where we find Jesus just before the Last Supper. Or he's, you know, he's in just before Passover, just before he's going to be killed. And uh, it says, you know, in this passage, it shows a dialogue between him and Philip. And um, where Jesus, this is where the verse is, that you'll do even greater things than me if you believe. And in this um, passage, it's all about believing. Getting Peter, I mean, getting Philip, getting the disciples to believe. If you believe, if you believe, if you believe, why don't you believe? You should believe. Right? And demonstrating faith and exercising faith. And then I'm going to talk about just a few things, a few things that, um, why it's hard for us to do that. Okay? And so, in this passage, it says this. First of all, the very first beginning of chapter 14, it says this. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Okay? So, that's said um, by Jesus. Because imagine they're in the upper room. And they've been told, one of you is going to betray me right, one of you is going to sell me out, and um, one of you is going to deny me, which would not be good if you're sitting in the room, you're like, who's that going to be, right, and then Jesus nails them, and it's like, boom, right, but they're wondering, they're anxious, they're worried about that, they have fear about that, um, and all of them are going to be at risk for arrest, Jesus tells them, you're going to be at risk for arrest, they're going to persecute you, like the person's going be, They're at risk for arrest. They know this is going to happen, and so they're kind of freaking out. And Jesus says to them, do not be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let what is happening, what you fear, what you've heard, affect what you do. Don't let the facts that you see around you trump the truth of who you are and being obedient and following what I've called you to do. Okay? And so we move into this, and it says this. It says this right here. And we all struggle like that, right? We all struggle with having troubled hearts. We all struggle with believing, you know, in the chaos of our lives. Do we have time to obey the commands? Is it worth obeying the commands? You know, I always feel anxious. I always feel that. I always feel this. Well, the power of the gospel also comes to transform you so that you can reflect the truth of the gospel to others when he calls you. Okay, it says this right here. Mm -hmm. John 14, 8 to 17. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Basically, what he's saying right here is, Jesus, show us a sign. And this is called a theophany. A theophany, theophany is a visible expression of the glory of God, like the burning bush, okay? Um, and, or like the pillar of smoke, the pillar of fire, And and basically, Philip is saying, you know, Jesus is telling him to believe. And Philip is saying, yo, Jesus, if you just showed us a sign, it'd be easy to believe. How many of us us has done that? All of us. I'll go pray for them. If they fall down and bust their nose right in front of me, just show me a sign, right? We do that. We do that because it's hard to believe. And Philip's struggling to believe. And it talks about all the disciples. It says, Jesus said to him, have I, have I been with you, you, as all the disciples, so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you, all the disciples, not believe that I am the Father and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, again, all the disciples, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. What that says right there is that every word I say is a work of power. Every word I say is a work of power. Okay? So when you proclaim, when you speak the gospel, that is powerful. That is power going out. Okay? He also does signs and and wonders, too. We're going to find that out right here. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else, believe... ...on account of the works themselves. And so Jesus is saying, if you don't believe in me because of what you don't see... ...then believe in me because of what you do see. Believe in me because you've seen the kingdom of God come through me. I am doing only things that God can do. I am doing only things that I could be doing... ...if I have the authority that's been given to me by my Father, which is what he says... ...and I have the power to do those things, which is the power of God... Truly, truly, I say to you, this is to all the disciples, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater things than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. And the Father may be glorified in the Son if you ask anything in my name. Now, this is a crazy verse. Like, there's all kinds of translations about what does it mean that we're going to do greater things than Jesus? Okay, and I've, I've read a lot about this, but basically, what Jesus is saying is, if you believe in me, if you believe you are who you say you are, you're going to have to do what I've been doing. I command it. I'm going to the Father. Peace out, baby. You know, Jesus, BBR. Uh, I mean, did uh, you know? What was it BBRO? Vacation His tomb, right? He's like, I'm going to use it, then I'm out of here, right? So he's going to the Father. And he's saying, you need to do. ...what I've been doing. If you believe in me, you'll be able to do what I've been doing... ...and you'll do greater things. Greater things how? You will reach more people. You will go to the Gentiles. You will go to the ends of the earth. You will be moving the kingdom in power... ...and reaching people that I never reached. You'll be extending the kingdom of God... ...beyond the Jews that I came to speak to. Greater things, greater places, more numbers... I mean, Billy Graham, one concert, one, like, prayer thing in a stadium, boom, pretty much outdoes Jesus in terms of gospel conversions, right? Greater things by his power and his authority. But he says, you need to believe. You need to believe. Do you believe this is who you are? And then he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you This is all the disciples again. Another helper helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth... ...whom the world cannot receive... ...because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him... ...for he dwells within you... ...and will be in you. So this is what happens. This is the gist of the story. Philip says, yo, Jesus, show me a sign. And then Jesus goes... ...what do you mean show you a sign? I am in the Father and the Father is in me... I am the perfect and final theophany. I am the perfect and final visible expression and manifestation of God's glory and his power and in his authority. I am it. And so that's what we get in the first half of this. And then Jesus at the end says, truly, truly, I say to you, you're going to do the same thing. How are you going to do the same thing? Because I'm going to go and my spirit is going to come and live in you. So who becomes the perfect representation, the perfect theophany for God the Father when Jesus goes? You do. You do. Every one of you do as a believer. And you are the most powerful thing about being powerful. You are the most most powerful thing in what God has done in your life about the power of God. that The power of God lives in you. Everywhere you go, you bring the power of God. Everywhere you go, you reflect the power of God. And so, whenever you say, God, show me a sign, this is what Jesus is getting at. Whenever you say, God, show me a sign, he's saying, You are the sign. You are the most powerful sign for the world to see. You are power. You are my power. You are my authority on earth. Right now, you are it. Why are you asking me for a sign? You're the sign. You're the one who makes the darkness tremble. You're the one who brings resurrection. You're the one who commands healing. You're the one who brings people from darkness to light. You're the one who proclaims the gospel and moves the kingdom of God forward. That's who you are. That's how powerful you are. That's what power is and how we're called to use it. Man, I'm all over the map in this, right? Okay, so this is why, real quickly, why it's hard for us to believe power. First of all, we've been told, especially in the Bible belt, that you are equipped to use power if you study the Bible and you know you have knowledge and you know knowledge and you, the more you study the Bible, the more verses you memorize, the more you know cognitively, the more knowledge you have, that's what equips you to move in power. Wrong. No. And I've been to seminary, and that's not what seminary does. Seminary equips you for, with knowledge, but they don't teach you how to apply it spiritually into the world. Now, that's that's a generalization, okay? That's a generalization. And it's important to study the Bible. It's important to pursue knowledge, right? But that's not the only thing that equips you. That's not the only thing that grows your faith. That's one element. But there's also a component of doctrinal faith, okay? And doctrinal faith is when we learn correct doctrine... And we learn more about Jesus, more about God, more about how to live as a Christian. And we obey. And we grow, again, in our knowledge. And as we grow in our knowledge, it increases our faith. Okay? And we all, we've all we all experienced that. If we, if we read the Word. You hear my awesome sermons. You're like, man, that's really, that's teaching me stuff. I like that. That really encourages me. It gives me a boost. Whenever I said that just now about you're broken like I'm broken, and God still wants to use you. That's a doctrinal truth, that if you believe it, as you believe it, it's going to give you faith. And there's also faithfulness, okay? Now, faithfulness is whenever we walk in with Christ, and we're filled with the Spirit, and we begin to exhibit the character of Christ, basically the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the only Bible verse I've ever memorized, so don't get impressed, okay? Okay? Right? And so we start to reflect the character of Christ, and that builds faith in us as well. Okay? Because we start living like Him, we're being faithful to Him. Okay? Now, there's a third element, though. There's a third element of faith. And no one talks about this element. And it's a faith that comes in risking, it's a faith that comes in stepping out and moving in the power of the Spirit as you're prompted by God. Okay? And so as you step out in authority, as you step out, to exercise power, regardless of what happens, what's happening is you are growing faith that this is real, this is true. Even though the person might not be healed, even though the person might not come to Christ, you are demonstrating faith through risking. And the more times you do this, the greater your faith will grow. And so it's all of these components together that help us become a disciple who Christ has called us to be. But if they don't manifest in the kingdom of God moving forward, then they're a waste. They're a waste. That means there's no power. That means you're not moving in authority. Because only power in the supernatural, only power in the spiritual realm does the enemy harm. Your knowledge doesn't. The devil is a better theologian than us all, but he's still the devil. A.W. Tozer, you search the scriptures, but you don't know me, Jesus Christ. I command you to go out and heal the sick. I command you to go out and move the kingdom of God. Proclaim the kingdom of God and demonstrate the kingdom of God. That's why you're here on earth. That's my command. It's not an option. And that is what and how Jesus defines what a disciple is this kind of faith is not easy because you can't make it happen you just have to step out and risk again and again and again yes you will look like a fool at times yes you will fall more than often than you no i'm not going to say that you will fall you will fail at times because god's teaching you faith do you believe me do you believe in what i'm saying do you believe in my approval Or do you fear man and what people will think about you? God develops character through suffering, through struggle, through conflict. Growth equals confrontation and tribulation. That's how our character is developed. If we all just prayed for everyone and we healed everyone, we'd be like, yo, 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 I got the power. I got the power, right? And you would stop needing Jesus. You would stop believing that Jesus is the source of the power. But when you fail and Jesus draws you back and says, Man, I love that you obeyed me, even though the result you don't see. I love when you demonstrate your faith because it's a reflection of your love. If you obey my commandments, you love me. If you love me, and only in loving Jesus, can you obey his commandments. That's what that verse means. It's not like a doing verse. It's like, if you love me, you better do my commandments. No. If you, and only if you love me, will you be able to do what I command you. Everything flows from that. Okay, I'm going to end with this story. Now, um, there's a fine line for pastors whenever it comes to teaching um, and giving examples about truths that are hard, but they're true, okay? And often pastors use guilt, and they shame people into living in a way that they think they should live. And it wounds people, it hurts people. Now, River City Church, especially at River City Church, we attract people that have been hurt by other churches, okay? So I'm going to tell a story in a minute. But if you feel guilt, if you feel condemnation, if you feel or it increases your sense of being devalued and not who God called you to be, feels like it's dragging you into darkness, that's not God. That's the enemy. That's the enemy leading you into death, lying to you, okay? Now, at the same time in this story, if you feel a conviction of the Spirit, a truth that is rising up in you, that makes you feel like... I need more, I want more, I want to obey God's commands, and I haven't been. And it causes you sadness. It might cause you to feel frustrated with yourself, or even maybe disappointed with yourself, okay? But if it's a conviction from the Spirit, it leads to life. If it's a conviction of the Spirit, it will lead to life. It will lead to growth. It will lead to you receiving the invitation from Jesus to experience more of him and more of his blessing. And blessing comes in obedience, not because we have to do it, but because we love Jesus and we'll experience more of his love as we do it. As we obey Christ and his commands, we will experience more abundant life. Now, does that affect how God loves us or sees us? No, it doesn't. Does it affect how you see God... ...and how you feel intimate with God... ...and how you experience abundant life? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Every command in Scripture, no matter how hard you think it is... ...every command is an invitation into love by Jesus Christ. This last shooting... In Florida, down at Marguerite Stone Man Douglas High School, left 17 people dead and 17 people wounded. Seven of the people who were killed were 14 year old high schoolers, six of which were girls. Now, I can't imagine the devastation as you can't unless you've lost a child like that. But I have a 14 year old little girl. And I can think about what I would feel if she was killed in a situation like that. It would be overwhelming. It would be devastating. And I probably would never recover from it. I certainly would feel that somebody has come and has stolen, has killed a part of my heart and is trying to destroy me. To make it worse... Shortly after this happened, they discovered that there was a police officer who stood outside of the door closest to the shooting for four of the six minutes that the shooting went on. Now, if I heard that and my daughter was killed, I would be enraged. I would be angry. I would be beyond sad. The sheriff said, What's his role? What should he have done? He should have addressed the killer and killed the killer. Rick Scott, our governor, said, the law enforcement officer should have done everything in his power to save these innocent people. Someone else said, I don't understand. He had been training his whole life. He was a decorated officer. But when it came time him to execute his authority and power he didn't and the result was that people died that's what happens when we choose to not execute and move in the power that we've been commanded to move in he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Now, there's no guilt. There's no shame. But I hope that you feel conviction. Because when you choose not to engage in the war around you, whether you see it or you don't, people die. And our Father in heaven, who loves his children much more than I will ever understand or ever love grace. That is how much he loves his children. He loves them in a way that we cannot fathom. And when he sees those he's commanded, those that he has saved with the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, not entering in, not engaging, not operating in the training, the preparation, the authority, and the power... ...that we've been given as a result of a death... ...that was so precious to the Father? You know, I think that... ...I think that that hurts the Father. Now, he grieves not only over those that were lost... ...that he sees in the battle... ...but he grieves over us as well. And he has grace, and he has compassion... ...and he wants us to engage... ...because he wants us to experience more of his love... ...depend more on him... Grow in our faith. The end of this report I was watching, um, the reporter said, the last time this happened, they spoke the names of the people. They said, we will remember. The crowd chanted that. And then whenever he ended, he did the same thing. He went through the names and said, we will remember, so-and-so. So-and-so, we will remember. And then the very last thing that he said was this. He ended the broadcast by saying, we will remember them all tonight. But the one name we will not be uttering tonight, the one name we will not remember, the one name that should not be remembered by history is that of the confessed killer. That almost broke my heart more than what had happened with the families. Because I wonder... If Nicholas Cruz, 19-year-old boy, whose mom had died, whose dad had died, who was adopted, I wonder if he had been told or he felt his whole life that he will never be remembered, that he is not worth anything, that he has no lasting value, and when you die, the world will forget you. I don't know what was in his mind, and I don't know what is in his heart, but I can tell you this. It is a demonstration and a reflection of an enemy who has come to steal, kill, and destroy. That is our enemy, not Nicholas Cruz. The enemy is our enemy. And I wonder, what would have happened if someone would have stepped towards him, risked in faith, and told him, Nicholas, that's not who you are. You're a beloved child of God. You've been adopted into his family. He loves you in a way that you'll never know. He loves you with an everlasting love. He knew you before he created the world. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He was there whenever you would deliver, and he celebrated, and he rejoiced. He has walked with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you, and he will enter you and welcome you into his kingdom in heaven forever and ever and ever, and you will not feel abandoned. You will not feel alone. You will not feel hopeless. You will not feel like you don't have anywhere to turn you will feel peace, rest, and love for the rest of your eternity. I wonder what he would have been like if someone would have exercised that authority and that power in his life. I wonder how many of us believe in this room that you are capable of the same evil as Nicholas Cruz. That deep inside you is a seed that Jesus has removed, if you were his follower, but it is a seed of brokenness and evil, that if not redeemed by the grace of God, you could be Nicholas Cruz. If not but by grace, you could be Nicholas Cruz. There is no difference between him and us, except the grace of God. We couldn't earn the grace of God, and we don't deserve the grace of God, But he still gave his life for us. His overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God is what saved us. I wonder what we as a church will do. I wonder what we as individuals will do. When we hear the command to go and make disciples, I have given you authority and power. Will you engage in the battle? Will you pursue people with a reckless love that you have been pursued by in Jesus Christ? It's a spiritual war, people. It's a spiritual war, and the enemy is on the move with people around you that you see every day that are dying. They're having life sucked out of them. And we are the only ones with the authority and the power to do anything about it. The spirit of the Lord is upon you because Christ has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor. Christ has sent you to proclaim freedom to the captives and to restore sight to the blind, to free those who are oppressed and to proclaim to the world that Jesus is alive and wants to bring them into new life. That's who you are. That's what he commands. And that's the invitation into abundant life. Let's stand.